I learned so much from everybody on that team. As, as uh, Stephanie said, that includes our clients, right? And, and students and nurses and, and obstetricians and, and everybody who's, who's working uh, together. We all have our, our role to play and our expertise uh, within the, in the fabric of, of that experience, depending on how, you know, whether it's a straightforward vaginal delivery or all the way through uh, with all the bells and whistles, epidural, C-section, you know, postpartum hemorrhage, on and on um, that, that can also happen. And we never know kind of what it's going to be. So the more we can have like really just strong communication and, and teamwork and, and having each other's backs and lifting each other up, uh, the, the better all of our experiences and the, and the safer we practice and um, the better outcomes that we'll have. Welcome to Alberta Midwives, Our Stories, a podcast series by the Alberta Association of Midwives. I'm your host, Dr. Lolly DeYoung. Are you ready to become more inspired and connected to the expertise, heart, and soul of Alberta's leading maternity care providers? Then let's get started. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Dr. Lolly DeYoung. Uh, I wanted to uh, welcome Wendy Wood, Heather Martin, and Dr. Stephanie Cooper today. And uh, I want to start by asking each of you about what your journey has been as a maternity care provider. So I'll start with Heather first. Tell us how you came to become a midwife. Well, my journey to midwifery was uh, a long and winding path like it is usually for other people. Um, I'd wanted to be a midwife shortly after finishing high school. Um, there was a program called A Baby Story um, back in the 90s. <laughs> and they had at the time, it was a lot of home births and birth center births. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I want to be a midwife. Um, and so I looked into it. But of course, the internet was new. Um, and not every university even had a website at the time. And so it was really kind of hard to find any information about how I could do that. And my mom is a nurse. So she said, well, why don't you be a nurse and you can work in labor and delivery? And um, that's, that's the path I chose. So I became a registered nurse in 2002. And I worked in labor and delivery for a few years. Um, and then I worked in the NICU. And I just um, got a bit more interested in global health and decided to do my master's of nursing here um, in Edmonton at the U of A. And um, that was sort of when my uh, the fire for midwifery was relit, essentially. Um, I took a research class, uh, of course, as you do in a graduate program, and critiqued the literature in the obstetrics. And the first one I looked at was the term breach trial. And having had no opinion on it prior looking through it, I was really surprised at how that so significantly impacted uh, women's choices. <clears throat> Um, for so many years. And, um, and so that was sort of the first instant. And then my next course um, was ethics. And that sort of sealed the deal. So I, at the time as well, just everything was just, you know, um, lining up. My thesis supervisor was Dr. Beverly O'Brien. So I met with her 
And she told me about her, you know, career as a midwife and as a nurse researcher. And, uh, and I, as you know, I've said before, I give her, she takes credit for uh, turning me to the dark side, as she said. <laughs> um, but uh, I, it's definitely the bright side of, of, of the obstetrics world, I think. And so I um, became, I registered with Laurentian Midwifery in their um, program for healthcare professionals, which is a two-year degree program. And so I moved from, I finished my master's in Edmonton. I moved back to Regina to work for a couple more years and, you know, earn money to become a midwife. And then I went off to Sudbury and then down to Southern Ontario, London area to do my midwifery placements and started, I moved back here in 2013 to Edmonton and started my midwifery practice here. And um, that is the long and the short of it, I guess. And I'm so thankful that I uh, had the opportunity to to follow that path. Yeah, and so right now you're currently practicing with Passages Midwifery out of Stony Plain, and then uh, you have a role with Alberta Health Service. You mentioned that a little bit, what that's involved. Right, so um, my role with Alberta Health Services is as a clinical director. Um, and so what we do, uh, Wendy and I are, are partners in this. Um, I cover the zones uh, Central North and Edmonton, and we sort of facilitate integration into the uh, Alberta Health Services facilities and integration with emergency medical services. Um, you know, we help to grow midwifery across the province, you know, meeting um, other stakeholders in different communities who are interested in having midwives come to the their communities. We help with, you know, reviewing cases that maybe had an adverse event. We support the midwives in their clinical work and education, um, organizing meetings so that we can, you know, discuss all of the up and coming things in the zone or in the province in terms of guidelines or uh, new screenings and that sort of thing and facilitate education from other, our partners at AHS like public health or um, healthy beginnings. So, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Yeah, and we, we really do have a unique situation here in Alberta in terms of how um, midwives are integrated in the system. And I think we'll be able to touch on that a little bit later. I'm going to move it over to Wendy now and, and have her share her story. I know it was a, a little bit uh, different from knowing a little bit about your background, but I'll let you talk about it. So, Wendy, tell us how you came to become a midwife. Hi. Uh, thanks, Lolly. Um, yeah, I took a little bit of a different path I was a um, a paramedic in the city of Calgary for 15 years when I had my son in 1996 I'm going to totally date myself here um, there was the um, the nurse midwifery program yeah yeah, yeah the nurse midwifery at the foothills they had a pilot uh, project um, at that time and so you could uh, get a midwife um, and it would be funded. And so um, I had had, I think a friend of a friend or something had had a midwife and they're like, yeah, it was really great. You should try this out. And so um, I was lucky enough to um, be accepted into that uh, program being a, a low risk um, uh, mom at the time. And uh, yeah, it really just opened my eyes to uh, what 
birth could be. I guess I didn't know any different either. So Penny Salkeld was my midwife and had a, a huge, uh, made a huge impression on me, just cared for me. We just seemed to click. And uh, 10 years later, um, when I was getting tired of being a paramedic um, and had enough post-traumatic stress to last me the rest of my life um, and was looking for a career change, I called uh, Penny up and said, you know, hey, you know, I'm thinking about maybe becoming a midwife because uh, she made such an impression on me. And so she was kind enough to meet me for coffee and three hours later, and I had said about two words during this three-hour conversation. Um, we had, I decided that, yeah, I was, I was definitely going to uh, pursue that. And so went back to school in my late 30s and um, went through a, a program through the United States. It was a, a through the Midwives College of Utah, um, did some online learning, and then did all the practical portions of my schooling here in Calgary with Briar Hill Midwives, and uh, spent two and a half years doing the practical side here. So because I had a, a medical background, and then in combination with those courses, um, at the time there was no midwifery program here in Alberta, um, and so I just ended up challenging the exams and um, doing going through the PLEA process and becoming registered as midwife. So that was <clears throat> 10 years ago. And uh, it's been great ever since. I've been with the same practice um, at Briar Hill Midwives. They were kind enough to uh, mentor me and then um, continued to uh, work side by side with them uh, through, through the last 10 years. Um, yeah, and then just I, I've done some work with you, Lolly, with the Alberta Association of Midwives, which was uh, and Heather too. We were on that together too. Uh, we uh, so that was uh, really great. Just opening my eyes up to you know what happens in in the rest of the province and how we kind of practice differently in different regions. Um, I've been lucky enough to um, get some of my certifications for teaching as well for teaching emergency skills and uh, and neonatal resuscitation which kind of went it's kind of my my jam because uh, as a paramedic I, I am still a little bit of an adrenaline junkie and so <laughs> as much as I don't like emergencies you know don't want that to happen to somebody it's it, I do enjoy it if I'm there to help handle it because I do still have that adrenaline junkie piece of my personality um <laughs> And with that, it's it's been great because I, it's allowed me to do some um, some traveling and and been I've been to Africa um, four or five times, um, been able to teach some uh, emergency skills to midwifery trainers there, and just again get a different perspective on on what this looks like, like what maternity care in general, but specifically midwifery looks like in other countries with different resources and um, and the collaboration that they have to do with the resources that they have and all of that has made me incredibly grateful for the model that we have here um, and the collaboration we have here and the, co and the continuity of care and all of those pieces. It's uh, It's been really uh, eye-opening and, um, and yeah, just added a whole whole perspective. So, yeah. And then my Alberta Health Services position, I just started right <laughs> in the midst of the pandemic. April 1st was my official first day. So I got thrown in and it's been uh, really fun uh, so far, yeah. actually. It's, uh, uh, it's again, very eye-opening to kind of uh, be on the... Um, 
management, I guess, side of things and, and behind the scenes a little bit um, and being able to support midwives through uh, some of the stuff they deal with in different hospitals and different regions uh, uh, across the south part. I'm the Calgary and South region uh, clinical director. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, you mentioned Penny Salkeld, uh, one of our other uh, podcast episodes. In fact, our first one uh, features Joy West Eklund, who was a forerunner as well and part of that nurse midwifery program. So I invite um, listeners to tune in. Did you did you listen to it yet or no? I haven't. I haven't listened to it yet. But Joy was so it was Joy, Penny, Merrill um, and Patty and Patty were my midwives when I had had my son. And so, uh, but Penny was the one that was at my birth and did most of my care uh, postpartum. And so she's the one I really connected with, but yes, they were all my midwives. So it's, uh, yeah, they're amazing women. Well, I, I, uh, my last pregnancy did not go uh, how I had planned. And this was before Penny started practicing as a midwife. She was a, a nurse up at the foothills and I was in this long labor experience and she came on shift at seven in the morning and I was like, thank you, God, you sent me an angel. So uh, yeah, she's amazing. So big shout out to her. I'm going to just shift over right now to Stephanie and Stephanie, uh, you're an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist. So that's a quite a bit of a different uh, walk than a midwife. So tell us about uh, what path you took to arrive at where you're at now and how, how you currently work with midwives. Um, hi. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's like, um, one of these things are not like the other. Um, I, uh, I wondered if I was invited to the wrong podcast, um, <laughs> because I'm not a midwife, uh, or I, I might be a midwife in disguise and that's my MD. Does it I think you are. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, the traditional medical, you know, science-based education and medical school and residency, and then maternal fetal medicine is a subspecialty of obstetrics and gynecology, where we, we, uh, focus more on complications of pregnancy, um, you know, from the perspective of fetal issues and, and therefore diagnosing it with uh, ultrasound. So we learn ultrasound. And then um, the maternal part is learning about complications of pregnancy due to underlying medical conditions, like uh, someone who has kidney disease or type 1 diabetes, or people who develop complications in pregnancy. Um, and so, you know, over time, um, you know, I have, I haven't had any dramatic, I guess, compared to uh, my colleagues here, changes, except just a, a sort of uh, a recognition over time of where my passions within my field are, and, and learning different things um, from different team members, including midwives, and, uh, you know, recognizing that obstetrics is science, uh, and medicine is science, but there's so much more to it than that, there is an art um, as well. Um, and uh, very much uh, a recognition that uh, we work as a team um, and that medicine is changing. The prior hierarchical structure uh, is something that is not necessarily patient focused. Um, and we have to t- change and modify um, the way we practice to recognize what are the needs of the, uh, the family, the mom. Um, and how can we bring care that uh, they request 
um, while at the same time ensuring that their pregnancy is as safe and as uh, healthy as can be. So I think um, that's sort of where my shift has happened, where the projects I'm working on are really about um, best practice and best evidence, but at the same time really um, doing so in a way that involves just culture, involves communication with the team, and at the same time recognizing that the family and the mother is very much part of that team. Um, and so looking at, you know, safety and equality in obstetrics um, is one of my interests is uh, specifically working currently on some things related to postpartum hemorrhage. But I also have a, a lot, a, a, sorry, a strong interest in, you know, pregnancy after loss. Um, and certainly, mm. again, um, this is an area where very much I've seen the impact of the type of relationships midwives have with their clients, um, how very important it is for women who've had a prior pregnancy loss, including, you know, the consistency of their healthcare provider, um, the relationship that involves trust and advocacy, and the extra time um, uh, that these women uh, require because they have been through a trauma and, uh, you know, really focusing on trauma-informed care. So I think, you know, as I've shifted in my career, I have learned a lot of lessons from um, the midwives I've worked with, as well as from the mothers I've worked with. And I think that's sort of with, you know, my, my field is that, you know, I think we always need to be learning and growing, but learning doesn't just mean textbook learning or, you know, learning facts and learning studies. It's also about changing the way that we uh, provide care um, to ensure that it really is optimal outcomes and, you know, not just, uh, and that doesn't just mean uh, medical outcomes. Great. Thank you. Uh, you know, this podcast is not going to air until December, but I did want to acknowledge that actually the day that we're recording this is pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day 2020. So I, if you guys don't mind, I wouldn't mind just taking just a few seconds right now just to, 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 to hold a space to just acknowledge that and remember that. Thank you. Stephanie was just talking about uh, the collaboration with midwives and, you know, everybody's looking for um, advancing exceptional care. And we're going to talk about COVID in a couple of minutes, but, but let's start just generally talking about interprofessional collaboration, because I think for a, a pregnant person, um, you know, depending on what's going on in their pregnancy or in their labor and birth, that sometimes a lot of people don't necessarily know the nature of all of the relationships that may be taking place. So let's just start by talking about generally uh, what is interprofessional collaboration and why is it important? Wendy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, essential to the experience and safety uh, of someone uh, who's going through uh, the whole game, the whole, uh, you know, from antenatal care through interpartum and postpartum. Um, I mean, sometimes we, as, as midwives, we, we deal with a lot of uh, low-risk people. And so at times we don't need to really consult anyone else or we can, we can handle all the stuff ourselves because it, it is a natural process. And um, regardless of what we do, babies are coming out. Um, and so <laughs> that's, uh, that's really nice. But then there's other times um, where, you know what, we're either, even when we're just going into like an AHS facility, a hospital or something where we're going to be dealing with other practitioners and the relationships we have with those practitioners 
greatly impacts the experience that our clients have. And so the more we can have those be positive, collaborative, um, team type uh, relationships, the, the better the experience is for our clients, but it's also better for us. Like I, I learned so much from everybody on that team. As, as uh, Stephanie said, that includes our clients, right? And, and students and nurses and, and obstetricians and, and everybody who's, who's working uh, together, we all have our, our role to play and, and our expertise uh, within the, in the fabric of, of that experience, depending on how, you know, whether it's a straightforward vaginal delivery or all the way through uh, with all the bells and whistles, epidural, C-section, you know, postpartum hemorrhage, on and on, um, that, that can also happen. And we never know kind of what it's going to be. So the more we can have like really just strong communication and, and teamwork and, and having each other's backs and lifting each other up, uh, the the better all of our experiences and the and the safer we practice and um, the better outcomes that we'll have. Thanks, thanks, uh, Wendy. I'm gonna I'm just gonna toss it over to Stephanie because uh, you know uh, she probably uh, doesn't realize this, but how well heralded she is among uh, midwives in terms of uh, being a collaborator. So tell me, Stephanie, a little bit about how you go about um, the various relationships that you have. And I'm sure there's far beyond midwives, but uh, I, I do believe that you're seen as a, a phenomenal leader in the maternity care community in, in Alberta, and I'm, I'm sure across Canada. Um, why don't you share with us a little bit of your thoughts on, on interprofessional collaboration? I know you talked about it earlier, but elaborate a little more. Again, unlike um, my midwifery colleagues, you know, my, um, my patient, my own patients tend to be higher risk and pregnancies are becoming more complicated. But at the same time, Heather mentioned that, you know, um, when she started her training, there was pretty much, you know, no, not to say no internet, but I was in a similar situation in that, you know, there, there wasn't even it wasn't that helpful other than for people who looked up porn, but, uh, <laughs> I just, but, um, you know, despite all the fact that technology has just taken off and we have so many resources in some ways, our outcomes haven't improved. And if we look at maternal, um, mortality and maternal morbidity in, you know, wealthy countries such as Canada, United States and European countries, our outcomes are getting worse. And so, you know, when we actually sort of dive into why we have all the technology, we have all the communication, it really is that a lot of it is the interprofessional communication and teamwork that is the problem. And, you know, when we worked on our postpartum hemorrhage project at the Foothills, um, you know, prior to um, moving towards that, we did a big survey that includes some midwives, but um, mainly hospital staff. And that really came up um, as, a, as a big concern um, why, um, especially our nursing staff, felt that um, our caring for maternal emergencies was suboptimal, was communication and um, collaboration between the different teams. Um, and so certainly, you know, from a patient safety perspective, I think that's, you know, exceptionally important. Um, and when we talk about communication, it's not just the words that you say, but it's the respect you provide mm. your colleagues. And it's the recognition that you have different jobs and different roles, but you're all working together for the best outcomes of your your particular patient. And I know that midwives call them clients. So um, I feel like I should say, you know, um, client, patient, back and forth. But um, 
Um, so yeah, we have different roles and, you know, that respect. And when you, when you know, somebody respects you and that, um, you're, you know, you're not going into an exchange with a, you know, a colleague that is going to be hostile, you share the information better and you act better, uh, um, as a team. Um, you know, I, I also, I think, you know, from the other perspective is, um, uh, the fact that I have experienced a number of women who have had trauma in a prior pregnancy, whether it was because of an emergency or a loss, and um, really have learned to recognize that trauma-informed care. And I think nobody does mm. that better than our midwives. And, uh, you know, I had um, some, you know, I was getting some referrals for midwives where, um, you know, I would accept the referral, but the, uh, woman, um, or the family wouldn't want to see me partly because I'm, you know, in a hospital and they had a bad experience with a hospital and it's, you know, I, I walk into my clinic room and there's pictures of fibroids on the wall. And, and so I actually went to the midwifery clinics and met the moms there. And sometimes the midwives would join in as well. Um, And that allowed us to actually say, hey, we're a team together with you. And that, um, and I always start, you know, the consults by saying, my goal is not to take over your care. My role here is to support your team and hopefully provide some additional information that can help guide your team. And there are some times we have to um, have transfer of care. But then again, you know, there's a relationship with the midwife. So how do we ensure that, you know, the midwife stay involved as a team member, um, in a supportive role while recognizing that some complications have developed where, um, you know, the obstetrician may need to be the lead or the, you know, most responsible healthcare provider for that patient, but still recognizing the role of midwives. And certainly having gone to the clinics, I have really seen, you know, firsthand why women choose to go to midwives. And I think that's still, it's like a mystery to obstetricians. Why would women go to midwives? And having worked in the clinics, I say, why wouldn't they want to go to midwives? (laughs) You know, because you have someone who knows you, they know your story, they spend time with you, they know your family, they advocate for you, you're there in their prenatal care, their labor and postpartum, and they often have tea and um, (laughs) really pretty and there's no pictures of fibroids on the wall. So the ideal situation would be where we could work together for all patients and low risk patients would have very little obstetrical involvement and high risk patients could still benefit from a lot of the things that midwives offer and not have to be forced to have, you know, a a different doctor every week and forced to go into an ugly room that's um, very scary and forced to um, have their doctor not know who they are and not advocate for them. So, you know, I think that's something that I hope we can move towards in the future, because that's what women want. And that's what they will need, you know, many need to have that in their pregnancies in order to ensure a safe outcome. So, yeah. I wanted to uh, tack onto that because, you know, you mentioned that, you you know, why wouldn't you want to see a midwife? And when I worked as an obstetrical nurse, I mean, the nurses and the obstetricians and the family doctors, they also wanted a midwife, but they wouldn't admit that. But what they did... (laughs) Instead, without knowing it, they made their team themselves. They selected a certain obstetrician. That obstetrician would be on call for them when they were in labor. Sometimes even Mm. an anesthetist would be on call for them when they were in labor to do their epidural. They would have, you know, they would get to select their nurse at the start of the shift. The charge nurse would go in and say, here's who's working today. Who would you like to be your nurse? And sometimes they would have 
a nurse come in who uh, and act as their doula if they weren't working that day. So like we, and you know, one of my friends who is a labor and delivery nurse, um, or I worked with as a labor and delivery nurse, and now she's a professor. Um, uh, well, she teaches at the U of A in nursing. Um, she, um, she chose midwifery care and home birth for her, her birth. And she said, you know, because she had been worked with me in back in Saskatchewan and then uh, was here and didn't work in labor and delivery here. She was working at the university. So she didn't know anybody in labor and delivery. So she didn't know which doctor to choose. She didn't know which. And so she said, I just wanted to be known when I have my baby. And so she chose a midwife and she had lovely births um, at home. And, and it was that, just that need to be known. Wow. Wow. That's really profound. And, you know, when we talk about um, interprofessional collaboration and, and barriers, even amongst the practitioners, in a way from what you just described, Heather, it it really is. um, And from what Stephanie said about, about, knowing each other like eliminating the mystery behind all of it like stephanie talked about going into a clinic you talked about uh, a person just wanting to be known and then even with that team there's not not even a midwife there but the, the birthing person wanting to be known and then the team members wanting to to, to be known as well yeah and i think that's you know part of sometimes the strain within the within the system with different care providers is that we don't understand each other we don't really know each other we don't um we don't understand the stresses of the labor and delivery nurse we don't understand the stresses of the obstetrician and everything that they're juggling outside of this one patient right that we are focused on um so it it is i think we could we could help each other a lot by you know in some way, getting to know each other better. And do, have, have any of you had thoughts about how that might be done? Um, we're actually working on it in Edmonton. We will have some working groups at one of our hospitals to um, sort of demystify um, and uh, and get to know each other better and build build a better team and a better culture. Yeah, we yeah. actually had. I was just going to say we actually had. I, I had a midwife. I th- I believe it may have been out in Cochrane where they, they actually went to the PCN with some lunch and just sat down and broke some bread together, had a chat. Um, we, did it, the, we did that in Lethbridge. Um, uh, the Lethbridge uh, midwives are just becoming integrated into the hospital system there for, uh, you know, the first time. And so I was, um, you know, I, I speak with the, the Lethbridge obstetricians quite a bit and I was doing some other work with them and they're like, well, you know, how would you think if you came out um, because you do work a lot with midwives and we all go out for dinner? And so we did. The, it wasn't all the obstetricians, but it was, um, I think, four of them plus uh, the midwives. And um, yeah, I mean, I think at first it seemed a little uncomfortable, but as, you know, time wore by and probably wine helped. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, you know, it was quite nice. And I think, oh, we should do more of that in Calgary. Um, but I bet Wendy could probably talk about how uh, all the midwives came to the foothills uh, and they had the uh, full-time midwife at the foothills during COVID because that was certainly um, something that I think may have had some positive impacts in terms of getting to know um, some of the midwives that we don't always meet um, at the foothills. You know, we have our, our group that we see a lot, you know, um, or groups like Wendy's group, um, but COVID actually did allow us to meet a lot of the midwives um, in the the city. 
Yeah, let's talk about that because, you know, March 5th of this year, COVID officially arrived in Alberta and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things happened across the province. There was a whole bunch of, of uh, things that had to happen. And uh, so Stephanie just referred to um, what had to happen in the Calgary zone as a result of uh, some of the units being closed. So Wendy, talk to us about COVID and, and what happened at the Foothills Hospital. And then, and then maybe I'll go over to Heather and see what happened up in the north and uh, north zone. So Wendy, tell us about the situation. Yeah, so um, at a zonal level, uh, there was a decision that was made um, because we didn't know what the COVID um, would, would look like as far as, as, as people, um, how many people are going to get it. But more from our perspective was, uh, would we be able to staff the maternity units in the city um, appropriately for all the pregnant people that we knew were uh, going to be delivering over this time period? And so the decision was made to uh, close one of the maternities, the South Health Campus, and then consolidate the, all those practitioners uh, to different sites. And so the family practitioners went to the Rocky View. Um, the obstetrics practitioners from South Health went to uh, Peter Lahey. Well, they were kind of mostly to Peter Lahey, but distributed a few to the foothills as well. And then it was decided um, because most of the midwives, uh, the majority of the deliveries in Calgary are kind of split between Rocky View and foothills. Uh, with the majority being at the Rocky View to make space for the family physicians to go to the Rocky View, the the uh, midwives were going to come to the foothills. And so all the midwifery deliveries were going to happen at the foothills. So when that was going to happen, we decided to decrease the number of just people coming into in and out of the units. We would put an in-hospital midwife on 24-7 at the foothills. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a, it was a great thing. So we had uh, some senior midwives. There was a group of about... I want to say 20 or 30, like 20 um, midwives that uh, signed up to do those shifts. And so there were, they were 12 hour shifts um, to a day and we had a midwife there 24 seven. And I think that was um, fantastic just because we always had somebody there. And so the communication piece was um, easy. Um, normally when midwives go into hospital, we go into a room, we close the door, you see us again when we're walking out with the baby. Um, there's not a ton of communication that goes on. But these uh, in-hospital midwives were in triage and assessing any midwifery client that came in. Um, and they were doing backup for um, all the all the midwives that were coming into hospital. Um, and then and then, like Lolly said, there was or there's midwives that were coming from all over the city that no, don't normally deliver the foothills. So they were coming to the foothills um, as well. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was really good. The, the, the feedback that we received from um, certainly from nursing and obstetrics was that they, they really liked it. They would like us to do it all the time. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't have the capacity to do that all the time. Um, but uh, but it is something that we we would really like to in, in the future. Um, we certainly know that uh, you know obstetricians and family physicians have their in hospital people there all the time, and that does help with those relations. So, and so we were talking about interprofessional collaboration. How would you say that that whole experience, which was completely unplanned and unexpected, how is do you think that's impacted the relationship amongst um, all the various maternity care providers at the foothills? 
because you're talking about more communication and Stephanie had talked earlier about, you know, really being able to, to open up those lines. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think things have uh, improved. I think it, it allowed us to have the opportunity to do um, a lot of education, I think, because a lot of people, including other practitioners, don't necessarily understand our scope of practice or what we do or what kind of education we have behind us. And and so it allowed us to, to do a little bit of education. And because there was more of us there, too, um, they got to see, like, how we handle all the situations and that, you know, we we are quite competent at what we do and, um, and, and just demonstrate that um, and not just kind of a one-off here, one-off there um, uh, way. I, I don't think they had any idea of how many deliveries we do across the city because they're like, Oh my goodness, there's so many midwives here. Like half our beds are taken up by midwives. I'm like, yeah. And that's, all, and that's only half the deliveries. The rest of them are being delivered at home. Like you have no idea. And so um, I think it kind of opened their eyes that way too. Um, but I do have to say, you know, that, that I think the the biggest barrier, um, and, and probably the, the best thing that could move us forward is, is again, back to something that Stephanie, or Stephanie or Heather, I can't remember, um, said about, um, it comes down to respect. You know, mm. if you, if you just, regardless of, I think the personal relationships are important and certainly help. Um, move things forward as we get to know because I because I'm well known at the foothills so I, I I have great relationships there but I think there needs to be an underlying respect for you know what you're a midwife you're an obstetrician you're a family physician you're a nurse I'm gonna give you x amount of respect just because you're not gonna yeah. have to prove it to me you're not gonna have to you know do anything but I'm going to give this a level of respect and, and I would expect that back. Um, and, and if we can do that, um, I think we would move forward in a yeah. much more positive fashion. Yeah. I want to ask Heather about how COVID uh, impacted the, the areas that she works in. And then I'm going to go to Stephanie after that. But before I do that, uh, Wendy had mentioned uh, one of the things that they found with the Foothills uh, in-house uh, midwife was that it was an opportunity to let people know more about the education and scope of midwifery. Heather, can you just speak to that a little bit? Because she mentioned it, but you know, there may be listeners that don't really know what is the education and scope of practice of midwifery? Um, well, so in Canada, the education for midwifery is a four-year bachelor's degree in health sciences. Um, and there are seven or eight programs in Canada um three of them in Ontario a new one opening in Manitoba uh, Mount Royal in Calgary and UBC in Vancouver and then there's some indigenous midwifery programs as well one in Ontario and one in northern Quebec um so in those programs in the uh bachelor programs the the mid uh students are <clears throat> sort of in the classroom for uh one and a half years so um I guess that's three semesters. And then they spend the next two and a half years in clinical placement. And so it's actually in terms of uh, clinical contact hours, midwifery programs have more clinical contact hours than any other health professional program. Um, in their placements, uh, most of them are done with midwives in the community. Um, 
but they also spend time with um, NICU, labor and delivery, and obstetrician. And then there's sort of an elective placement where they can spend time with lactation consultants or, um, you know, special clinics or uh, communities, that sort of thing. Um, so that's the education. In terms of scope of practice, midwives have um, the ability to provide full prenatal care. Um, so we can order ultrasounds and the lab work that's um, routine in pregnancy. We can uh, prescribe medications that, um, you know, are, are relevant to uh, the childbearing and postpartum time, um, such as for, you know, bladder infections or mastitis. Um, we attend births, obviously, and catch babies. We can uh, suture if anybody needs stitches afterwards. Um, we manage any emergency that we might encounter, so resuscitating babies, managing hemorrhages, um, dealing with shoulder dystocia. Um, and uh, yeah, and then in the postpartum, we provide the full care. So we sort of, in our role, like in labor and delivery and postpartum, we take over the role of the nurse. Generally, we, you know, um, we provide everything. We do the labor support and start IVs if we need to. Um, and then we do the role of the physician as well in terms of catching the baby and um, uh, suturing and that sort of thing. And in the postpartum, we're providing home visits to help support the family, adjust to this new human that they're looking after, um, support breastfeeding um, or whichever method of infant feeding they've chosen. And um, and we look after them, mom and the baby or the um, family until six weeks postpartum. And then how did COVID hit uh, the, uh, the zones that you uh, support? Well, I mean, in Edmonton, we were, I think we, we didn't get hit as hard as Calgary area in the beginning, um, but we were, you know, still um, in it and, you know, everything just became all COVID all the time. And Wendy and I were, and our team at the Provincial Midwifery Office were working around the clock to um, generate uh, guidance documents for the midwives to help them cope with um, working in a pandemic as a midwife and how to triage your clients, how to screen them, who can stay home, who can, needs to be in the hospital, um, how do we provide care to people on isolation in the home setting? <clears throat> you know, because that's something new for us. We don't normally have to you know, gown, glove, mask, and wear shoe covers and everything walking into somebody's house, right? Let's <laughs> don't normally do isolation procedures in someone's home. So we had to, you know, learn from our partners at public health. How do they do that? What are their recommendations? And then put together documents for all the midwives in Alberta. And we actually shared them with, you know, other regions that aren't as integrated as we are in Alberta. Um, you know, it was a bit more disconnected, like in Ontario, perhaps like, you know, it was the association that had to do more of the work than, you know, within their health um, regions. Um, and so it can be a bit um, slower process or not as connected as, as we are here in Alberta. Um, and then in Edmonton Zone, we actually, um, uh, Dr. Jane Baker is a family physician in Edmonton, and she sort of led the way in gener uh, developing a COVID prenatal clinic, um, and which included midwives. So it was uh, a team of family physicians and midwives who uh, signed up for shifts basically in a prenatal clinic 
to provide care for anybody with um, COVID symptoms who needed to have a prenatal appointment um, and couldn't wait in you know, a couple of weeks until they were done their self-isolation. Um, and fortunately, we didn't really need it. <laughs> so <laughs> we just, it was like set up, established, we were good to go. We had our protocols in place. And then, you know, we didn't have that many cases in Edmonton until now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we're we're talking about this in the middle of October uh, yeah. today, and yeah, yeah. So the the prenatal clinic is sort of regenerated, and still right now it's actually just being managed by um, a nurse practitioner out of the perinatal clinic, and so she's she's able to see the clients herself at this time. I I don't know; it, it could be possible that they might need more help with that again, but um, we'll see how things go from here. Interesting. And I want to just, uh, you mentioned the Provincial Midwifery Administrative Office, and I alluded at the beginning of the podcast about how uh, here in Alberta that, uh, you know, being as integrated as we are, we've really been uh, blessed. And I really want to give a shout out to the team at the Provincial Midwifery Administrative Office. They, they just, from day one, just have been there for the midwives, have, have just bent over backwards. They've worked long and hard uh, to support it. And then just the other comment about uh, you had mentioned some Indigenous education programs. We are going to be doing a podcast uh, um, on Indigenous midwifery. We've got Jessica Swain, who's an Indigenous midwife, who will be uh, who I'll be talking to about that. So you'll have to uh, check it out on uh, your channels. I want to go over to Stephanie now and and talk to her in, in terms of her role as a maternal fetal medicine specialist. And what's what has that been like through COVID and how has that impacted how you've practiced with your patients? Um, so with, I mean, I am MFM, but I'm also an obstetrician and that is not always the case for a lot of maternal fetal medicine. So I, I think I'll speak more on behalf of being an obstetrician. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly we have uh, we have women who you know need to be seen in pregnancy because they have complications, and we also did a COVID clinic, which we actually uh, we actually had patients um, for in Calgary, and mainly because that was um, due to the outbreaks in the meatpacking um, plants um, in uh, the greater not in Calgary itself, but in um, in Brooks and High River. Um, you know, certainly one thing that was uh, very challenging was recognizing that um, the women who were being impacted, uh, they were new immigrants. Um, they were uh, like living in larger families um, because of economics and because they're new immigrants. And they were commuting back and forth to work in cars because um, they lived in Northeast Calgary and they, you know, it was a long ride and they had to save money. And, and then, um, you know, the language barriers that went when we tried to do, um, some of those, uh, um, um, clinic visits remotely. So, um, certainly it, it, I think overall, we have definitely recognized that this disease internationally, as well as locally really does take, um, a greater toll on, um, vulnerable populations. And so I think that's certainly um, a take-home message personally. Um, you know, I, um, I'm i a sucker for punishment in that I, you know, basically when COVID came out, um, I volunteered to be basically the person who could look stuff up um, and say on top of the literature. <laughs> um, you know, I have a job as part of the Connect Care program that's coming to um, for women's health and obstetrics as the knowledge lead. And sort of that's what I do is to make sure that 
um, the order sets that we're going to be having for the province uh, are, you know, best evidence um, that are still practical. And so was I was able to be involved with a number of um, COVID committees. And that was another opportunity, I think, uh, Wendy, I know was on them as well, is where we really did have exceptional collaboration. And it was amazing how fast when we all agree that we're trying to do something for the best interest of patients and staff um, and healthcare workers, when we all work together, um, how quickly and efficiently documents came together, protocols came together. I mean, we closed and opened a hospital in a short period of time with relatively little, um, you know, ruffles of, you know, feathers relatively. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it was definitely a very interesting experience. Um, you know, I, I had uh, lots of podcasts or sorry webcasts that I did with COVID and education sessions and once again we learned that and these these presentations were much better when they did have the multidisciplinary um, approach between ones for primary care providers we had uh, midwifery involved in that as well and then we did a critical care one where we had different medical specialties so I think you know what COVID showed us is the very much um, I guess two take-home messages for me was one you know, vulnerable populations. And, you know, as we move forward into the second wave, we definitely have to recognize that and, uh, um, and you know, put that into, into our new algorithms and our new approaches. And, but also once again, that um, mostly disciplinary planning involvement, education and knowledge um, translation needs to be multidisciplinary. Absolutely. Um, so I've just got a, a few more questions because this has been such a rich discussion around, um, you know, working together generally, uh, getting through COVID together, knowing that we're still in it. What are your hopes, wishes, and dreams for the future when it comes to maternity care uh, generally and then midwifery specifically? Is this for all of us or? Yes. It's, it, 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 yes. Um, what, what are, you know, for me, I, um, what's the perfect world? Yeah. I mean, I already mentioned, I think it would be really nice if we could blend, um, the, you know, obstetrics, um, and higher risk pregnancy care along with the, um, you know, what midwives, um, provide in terms of that, you know, um, continuity of care and the trust and the advocacy and, um, you know, and, and, and so that we each, you know, are used to the best of our skill set and our interests, and um, really, you know, that isn't the best uh, best for patients and and for families overall. Um, you know, certainly, I I think that we have uh, to really be able to recognize where in our uh, care are are there lapses, where are things not going well, how do we identify those, and how do we look um, at those problems as a team in a just culture approach so that we can work together to ensure the safest care for moms and babies. And I think we're nudging there, we're moving there. There's lots of barriers, um, the economics of this province and uh, the impact on um, healthcare is obviously affecting a lot of people in not a positive way. But I think, you know, COVID showed us we could do it um, when we had the motivation. And we just need to continue that drive and that energy and everybody really saying, okay, how can we make things better and always strive to be doing better? Yeah. And, and Heather, what, what about you? Hopes, wishes, and dreams. Yeah, I just look forward to the day where um, informed choice um, is just the norm 
for all childbearing families um, that there is an understanding that, you know, birthing people have autonomy um, <clears throat> and should be able to make decisions about their care without um, it being a conflict. Um, so that's, and, and also, I mean, I just look forward to the day where there is that mutual respect and trust of the various disciplines um, where um, I no longer have to answer the question, <laughs> what's the difference between a midwife and a doula uh, <laughs> in professional settings? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Here, here. Okay. Thanks, Heather. What about you, Wendy? Um, um, I, I would love to see, and maybe this is pie in the sky, but um, I'd love to see us like working side by side through the entirety of the pregnancy, like having offices where we have um, family docs and midwives and obstetricians um, uh, caring for groups of people and everybody using their specialty to the best of their ability and everyone lifting each other up and, and uh, appreciating um, our differences and appreciating our similarities. Uh, especially the fact that we're, we're all in this for the same thing. Our goal is to um, have, have a, a safe and wonderful experience for, for those people that are in our care. And, and I think we're all on the same page in that respect. And so, um, I, I mean, yeah. Pie in the sky. I hope we can get there. Maybe down awesome. the road. I also wish for a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 So one last question. We started off by having each of you share your journey uh, to becoming a maternity care professional. So if you imagine yourself going back to the your first realization that this was your dream and what you wanted to do, your calling, if you will. Uh, what do you know now about who you are as a human being that you didn't know at that time? Let me go to, uh, I'll go to Wendy first. What do I know now? Um, did I have the, that, that I'd love it so much? I'd, I'd never thought that I would really, um, love an occupation this much that it, it would be um, a defining thing for my my character and um and that, and that it i don't know it just it just brings me joy i i never kind of expected that i you know you, you do a job because you have it because you need to make money and it's nice if you enjoy it but um the rewards that uh this job brings me just fills my cup and i never knew that that would be the case wonderful stephanie uh, that's a hard one um i you know i i think uh maybe i wouldn't have recognized that i could go off the beaten path and not necessarily need to do um what everybody was doing or you know, have the same line that everybody had and that it's okay to think differently, think outside the box and be willing to fight for that. Um, maybe. <laughs> That's a hard <laughs> wow. Heather, what do you know about who you are now that you didn't know then? What? 
when your fire was relit? I think I, I mean, I didn't know, you know, I didn't ever envision in be, uh, being in a leadership role, to be honest. I just wanted to be a midwife. I just wanted to provide the kind of care to people that I would want um, if I had children, if I had a pregnancy. Um, so I, I didn't know that I would actually, I, I don't know, because I knew I would be an advocate. <laughs> uh, I knew that I would, uh, I would love it. And I do love it. I think, you know, I, like Wendy said, I, I, it's still such a miraculous moment and such an honor to be with somebody in labor and support them. Um, I think I didn't know really how much impact midwives can have for people and for the healthcare system. Um, and so I'm seeing that now in, in this role. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I know Stephanie talked about just culture and mm -hmm. how, in my mind, this is justice work. It's it it is about about human rights and people's choices. And um, we talked about informed choice in one of the earlier questions. Okay, well, we're just going to be wrapping it up. But uh, is do any of you want to do a shout out to any of your ways that people can get a hold of you, either through social media or your website for where you're practicing? Um, where can people get a hold of you, or they can come directly to us? I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Just to know. Uh, I'm on there. It's Dr. Stephanie Cooper. Is that your? I think it's Stephanie Koo one. Okay. Um, yeah, I had, don't put this in the podcast, but I, I had the, my greatest honor last week where I was named as one of the top 10 for ob in uh, social media, which I thought was hilarious because I'm a Luddite. Um, <laughs> um yeah That's awesome and by the way that just got recorded oh no <laughs> Yana Madikal, the, the uh, uh, Canadian that's really, that yeah that's amazing that's amazing way to go yeah um I follow you on Twitter <laughs> and also on Twitter as Heather Martin catcher of babies is oh yes oh that's right for sure um yeah. Yeah, I do have a website, but uh, right now I'm um, it's I it's it's been sort of inactive for a bit, um, and uh, it's not a secure way to send a message because it goes through like a Gmail, so I don't want patients particularly or or you know personal. But uh, yeah, I'm also with Alberta Health Services, so I'm relatively easy to find. Yeah, and if if uh, people want to get a hold of anyone on here and they're, they're not able to, they can always get in touch with the Alberta Association Midwives. Get in touch with me, and we'll do what we can to hook you up. Yeah, I'm and not on Twitter or any of the things. <laughs> You're on Facebook. So I I am on you Facebook. You see your I... your trips to Africa. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's that's yeah. about it, though. Okay, well, I want to thank all of you for making time today and and uh, for sharing your stories and talking about collaboration talking about maternity care and COVID and, and metaphorically uh, putting on your, uh, your superhero capes uh, today and uh, throughout the courses of your career and, and to all of you as well for your leadership. I really appreciate you and uh, want to thank everybody for joining us today and uh, please uh, tune in again and uh, we'll be continuing to do our podcast. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. 
hit subscribe and pass this podcast along to a friend or colleague. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back again. In the meantime, you can check out alberta-midwives.ca to learn more or to request care today. Thank you.